to Houndsy, the Steel Army Podcast. I'm Dan Yost, and with me this week to discuss a 1-1 draw in New Mexico and a whole bunch of other Steel Army and Hounds news of the week, I got two good buddies with me. First off, it's everyone's favorite Yak. Yak. Yak, how are you doing? Hi, Yost. I've traveled near and far this week just to come back on the podcast. I'm glad to have everybody back. Yeah, it's been a it's been a hot minute since you've been on here. What have you been up to? I was in the Philly area this past weekend, which stands for like an hour outside Philly, which is distinctly not Philadelphia, but, but over st- there. But still in Pennsylvania. Hanging out, going to a, a union soccer game. Oh, you went to a union match. How was that? Uh, pretty cool. Um, I hung out at the Sons of Ben's. They're their big supporters group tailgate. They drank me beer and fed me food, and uh, we saw um, them kick New England's butt. Did you did you do the whole like dupe thing? Did you did you dupe really hard? They duped. Du- I love dupe. Like there's there's not many things like I, I didn't really like sing with them or chant with them or anything, but I love dupe. It is so annoying and so great if you're on like the winning side. All right, so you're you're pro dupe is what I'm hearing. Yes. All right. How was what was the highlight of the tailgate? You know you ever go on vacation and like you always run into somebody from Pittsburgh. Like the first woman I talked to is from Altoona. Yeah, no, I get well, no wait, Altoona's not Pittsburgh. Altoona's Altoona. Okay, but it's more Pittsburgh than Philly. Yes. My high school was in the same conference as Altoona, so to me, that's pretty Pittsburgh. All right. Every time I go to Vegas, I always end up on a table with someone, and then you find out, usually because someone says something in that in that Pittsburgh accent, and you find out, oh, yeah, I'm, I came across country to go shoot dice with someone from Shaler. It happens all the time. Yeah. But also with us tonight, uh, making his return, a, lo- a long-awaited return. It was highly lauded the first time he was on, so we, we brought him back. Seth is on the podcast tonight. Seth, how you doing, my man? You know, I'm still waiting on my uh, residuals from that first episode, so I'm sure there's just something like if my accounting number was off or, you know, routing number. So Yeah, we'll, get with we'll HR get that on that. we squared away. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll call Logan up. Make sure he gets everything straight around. I'll assume that Logan is HR because it sure so ain't me. Yeah, he seems like the most HR guy we have. Oh, for sure. Remember that game he showed up in like a suit still? Oh, yeah. He's definitely. I've seen that multiple times now. He might be a cop, actually. He might be. I don't actually know what he does. He tells me he like does valuations of companies or something like that, but I don't even know what that means. But I've been good. I've been busy. I've unlike Yak, I've not really left Western Pennsylvania for the last couple of months. Which this is this is like our this is our uh, glow up time of the year around here. It's actually nice. You can be outside any given time. You can do things. Lots of fun stuff to do. So just been hitting up the pool, zoo, all that fun stuff quite often with the family. Been grilling and smoking. Lots of delicious meats and things like that and we've got a riding mower which is like the most dad move that is such ever. a dad move wow yeah it's pretty sick i love it do you is there a cup holder on the on the mower you best believe it and that's what's when you're mowing what's the beverage of choice 
I mean, it's a it's a Miller Lite pounder. That's so classic of you. Yeah, it just it fits in there perfectly. Is it's there like a? Um, I'm assuming there's at, at, not every time, but it, there's been at least one time so far where you've had the beverage and the cigar going right. No, I actually haven't <sighs> done that yet. Yeah, I'm kind of shocked. I I need to get on that. I'm I'm like still at that point where like I'm still like nervous. I'm gonna like royally ruin the mower and have to like turn in a claim on the uh, warranty. So I'm like I'm still like kind of scared of, of using it. So maybe maybe by like end of summer I'll have it better under control and I'll feel more confident in that. Because I mean, not that everyone else on the podcast cares, but our our mutual friend. Um... Joe uh, posted a picture not that long ago of, of him on on his riding lawnmower with the cigar and the beer. I'm like, that is such a dad thing that I I was almost I almost wanted to be in a relationship and with kids, but not quite, just because that picture looks so fucking dad like. Yeah, like I consulted like one person when it came to buying a mower, and Joe was one of them. So yeah, makes sense. He's got he that dad thing now. Yeah, absolutely. Joe Leventry, not a fan of the hand, not a fan of the hounds, but getting a shout out on the podcast tonight. I love it. That's right. Damn right. Well, gentlemen, uh, hounds this past weekend played to a one-one draw in New Mexico, their first time in the state, uh, at least as a as a club. Uh, I guess we could just kick it off with what I thought was the, the most interesting part of it being uh, the lineup in that lineup being Jamali Waite in the back, uh, Peters, Ordonez, Wheat on the back line, Dos Santos and Dixon on the wings. And then you're kind of worked up top of Rivera and Griffin Forbes is the attacking midfielder and then Cicerone and Dequa up top. And I guess the question I want to pose to you guys, and I'll start with you, Seth, do you think this was, for lack of a better phrasing, do you think this was Bob's vision of his best 11? I think it's getting there. Um, I think especially with the, you know, turn in a result through the last four, I think you're probably going to see less rotation. Um, I think after that little three-game skid that they went through uh you're probably going to try to see a little bit more continuity across the 11 i I mean i i like it i think of if i had to like grab the magic marker and write down a lineup myself on a saturday morning and hand it in at 6 15 i think that's probably pretty close to what i would scribble out um I, I, the only thing, I, and I don't know, like, if it's just heat take, you know, coming into effect. Uh, we're now hitting midpoint of the season, trying to save some legs here and there. I, I just feel like I'd, I'd like to see a little bit more crossover between uh, Dikwa and um, Dane Kelly, because I think like you get both of those guys out there on some corners and set pieces and they can really start to cause a ruckus because you, you really have to like double mark both of them. So I think if you have 
both, you know, if you, you could find a situation where you can get them both out there late in the match, you're chasing a goal. I think it really becomes a matchup nightmare for the opposing team because then, you know, at any given point, you also have Peters coming in there, any of those other big guys that can seem to get ahead on a ball. So, I, like, I guess long-winded answer, yes, it's pretty close to what I think is our best 11 at this point. Yeah, are you in agreement? Is that is that the best version of, of the Hounds, best 11 in, in the eyes of Bob Lilly, or is there, is there something better out there? Without making any adjustments for any team particular, opponent particular matchup, that is my starting 11. That includes um, Dequa being the starter over Dink Kelly. I think giving him more minutes, especially to start, I think he does a better job. His game lets him wound down the energy of the defense a little bit better. So I like giving him more minutes and him getting the start over Dane Kelly. Everybody else, I don't think it's much of a context uh, contest. There's a couple dudes I trust a lot coming off the bench, like Mark Ibarra, um, Robbie Dambrot famously, where has he gone? Um, Angelo Kelly, a lot of those guys. But no, none of them are able to knock off one of these other players in the 11 off their perch. I think the 11 we saw is my preferred 11. And the, the name you brought up there, even though it, he's been clearly a, a, a bench guy this year, um, Angelo Kelly Rosales, he's, he, he's been a bit dynamite coming off the bench this year. He's good for that 25, 30 minutes of... of energetic but not terribly not overly aggressive action he's gonna come in kind of boss in midfield for the most part and and bring positive to me very positive uh uh possession and, and positive passes he's, he's not looking to play square he's not looking to play, play negative and he's finding the, the space to to matriculate the ball up the field i've been really happy with what he brings to the game for those final half like that final half an hour or so yeah, and he, he's almost never started a game. He did a couple of weeks back, like maybe once got a spot start, but like he just always comes on for a half hour. I just and I really like him in that role. Which is funny because everyone thought when he got signed that he was he a lot I won't say everyone, but a lot of people thought he was a straightaway starter and that's not been his role in this team. But it's been fine because what he brings in the in those those diamonds of the game has been really nice. Yeah. Yeah, I I also think. I mean, I'm I'm definitely convinced now that Wait is the number one keeper. Yes. If anything, in the past three four weeks, it's he solidified that that's his job to lose at this point. I I'm still, and maybe this is some sort of bias of the resume that Dane Kelly brought into the club and what we've seen out of. Alv Dequa in the past two years where he's not been the man. He's been a bench, you know, a kind of depth role. But now he's elevated and Dan Kelly might be on the backside of his career and his production. But it still feels weird to me that Dan Kelly is the guy coming off the bench and, and Deke was the guy getting the, the bulk of the minutes. I, and I, I, Again, that might just be me taking the biases of of where each guy has been in their career and not where not where they're at now. 
it's it's not really like a uh, thunder and lightning like Tiki Barber Rondane kind of situation. It's like thunder and thunder. And I have to think like if you're an opposing center back and you see that starting eleven, and then you see Kelly's name on the bench, like you know that you're just getting pushed around and just physical guys that are gonna absolutely just maul you for every aerial for 90 straight minutes and i think that's a really great place for the hounds to have to have to try to figure out what the best ratio of dequa to kelly is the air part of it is uh dang gets on the score sheet uh, for the first time in a long, a long while. Remember way back when, a couple months ago, when he was on six goals, he was co... I mean, it sounds silly to say because we were under 10 games in the season, but he was like co-golden boot uh, race leader at that point and then had not found the back of the net since, including finding two off the, off the crossbar in about seven seconds of time against Miami, the Miami, uh, a week before. Is there any hope from everyone here that finally getting him off of off the schneid and getting him back on the score sheet might uh, kickstart the the what we all know he's capable of doing, or is it uh, nothing more than he was just it was the form's been there and it finally went in and it it just is what it is, or is this the the, the launching off part of Dan Kelly for the back half of the season? I had been worried about him because he has been relatively quiet over the last three months or so. And even though it was meaningless in the uh, the point of the game against Miami, I really wanted him to finish one of those shots that he hit off the bar just because I just need him to see his confidence back. Um, so hitting off the crossbar would have been pretty demoralizing. So to get uh, a late final 15 game tying goal uh, on Saturday is a big deal just for the rest of the season. I hope to get him kind of kickstarted again. And he almost he almost uh, bagged a brace on Saturday. He scooted one wide late that had the keeper beat. So I, I'm hoping this is the jump off point and we see him at least double this seven over the next last half of the season. Yeah, I I. I, I Part of me wants to go. He was kind of hard. I mean, I hate I hate when people say it's good luck or bad luck in soccer because uh, it always feels like a crutch. Well, if you put off the crossbar, it's actually because you, you you missed the target. I mean, not you didn't miss my by much, but you missed the target. Same, you know, you you shoot it into someone. You could always have done something better. So I always hate the the when people say ah that's bad luck or that's good luck. But he's definitely been snake bit, shall we say? For the past ten games or so, so getting him back on the score sheet, coming off of a game where he came damn close to scoring as well. If you if if Bob is committed to to Dane being that guy coming off the bench for the pat for the final twenty to thirty minutes, and then he gets the confidence back, and also the the shots that w- that were a couple feet off the mark are now back on the mark. I mean, this goal today or this, this goal this past weekend, it was just the one touch. It wasn't even – he didn't even take a second touch to get it back in position. He took the feed from Cicerone and, and slotted it on one touch to the back of the net. If that touch is now back with him or the confidence or whatever, however you want to 
phrase it or whatnot is back, and now that guy is the threat for the final 20, 30 minutes, the Hounds are probably in a pretty strong position going down the second half of the season. On the backside of that was the the goal conceded in the first 55 seconds of the game. Uh, Shane Wheat, the name will bring, you know, that's kind of come up a lot in the, the past couple weeks with uh, the horror show turnover leading to what was essentially a three-on-one for a tapping goal for the uh, for New Mexico. Luckily, it was not Nico Brett that scored it. He was the guy on the assist, um, so we can avoid the former Hounds scoring on the Hounds this year so far, or at least for another week. But then for the, at least in my opinion, I thought Shane had a had a solid game outside of that first minute, and the, the two games prior, he's been pretty solid. So my question for you gentlemen is, is is Shane Wheat just the the inconsistent guy who has pretty low lows and then pretty high highs, or is it something different? What what is your take on on Shane Wheat, uh, f- especially given his performance of the past month or so? Um, Yak, I gotta say I haven't been. This has not been the greatest month for me to to look at games and review. I don't remember what Shane Wheat has done notably or uh, infamously over the last month. But after what I was thought was a surprise signing, because I don't think anybody was a big fan of him after last season, he's he has been one of our most consistent players. Um, per USL Tactics, he's our second best defender, has a uh, goals against rate in the top twenty three percent of the league. He's he's much better than the average player. Um, he's He's been sound back there. Saturday, the first minute, was a very shitty pass, uh, a poor decision under some, some good pressure from New Mexico. Uh, the first 15 minutes, in general, from the defense, was a disaster. But, like, I don't, I don't think that's going to uh, take away from his overall body of work that he's had this season. I, he's, he's still somebody I trust a lot back there, and I want him in my starting 11 without any questions asked. Seth, what's your, yeah. what's your review of Shane week uh, this season or in the past four or five weeks in particular? Well, I do believe I see, I remember seeing a tweet today, uh, the team wishing him happy birthday. It is. It so, was his birthday. You know, I don't want to ruin the guy's birthday because I know he'll definitely be tuning in when this goes live. Yeah, but this uh, this is coming <laughs> behind the scenes. Note: We're recording this on Tuesday night for the normal Wednesday night, Thursday morning release. So his birthday right, will, so be, his will, be, will be will be will be passed. So uh, go no, on. I, you know, I think obviously Peters and Williams are your top two center back pairing, and I think as far as like the third goes, uh, just kind of holding down that other side. I, I think he's more than sufficient, and I think he's I think he's fine. I mean, I think he's just kind of played his, played himself into shape over the last you know few months, and I think what, he had a, one of the goals within the uh, the Miami route, and uh, he was goal number just four. Kinda, he's he's just kind of putting together, like you said, a little you know solid body of work over the last month, and hopefully. He just keeps riding that out, and you know, center backs. You either are saying their name in vain, or you're probably not talking about them at all. So, 
as long as you know he's not doing anything like he did within the first minute of Saturday often I, I think we'll get along quite well I actually forgot about that not only did he have the goal he almost got a second one not that I want Shane Wheat to be scoring a ton of goals but I, I would love for Shane Wheat to be scoring a ton of goals he almost actually had two last week, but uh, it was blocked and it ended up setting Peters. That up was the P- yeah for that set for the Peterson goal because he was the kind of on the he was the guy where it was drawn up for him to, to score it. But uh, Peters came back for the assist or for the, uh, the the rebound shot score goal. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my my final thoughts on on this game. I mean twelve thousand. For New Mexico is that's an impressive haul for them. Uh, having their capos actually in these little like quarantined off stanchions on on the field itself looked really really goofy. Uh, and I'm glad that uh, unless they end up going to Memphis for a playoff game, that the Hounds have played their last game on a baseball field this year because holy shit, am I sick of seeing the Hounds on baseball fields? It had been two years without it, right? And then all of a sudden, a bunch of new baseball fields we'd never played on before. Uh, going, I mean, because we didn't play Memphis in these through the, the coronavirus years, and Louisville had moved to uh, Lynn Family. And, uh, I mean, Tampa, it, it was built as a baseball field, but it's, it's not that now. It's not the issues that we come with baseball fields now. And... We in Tulsa just moved to the to the east this year, so yes, this is the fir- this was the first year of baseball pitches for for quite some time, and we've we have run the gamut of them with yeah Memphis and Tulsa and New Mexico and am I thinking of something else too? Vegas deserves half a shout out. Vegas, yeah, it's not it's still it's converted from a baseball field, but it's not it still has some some issues. So yeah, I I mean, it, that's a it, it's a rough watch. It looks like it's rough to play on, but without being at at the field itself, it, you can't say definitively how how much that changes. It just it looks like dog shit from 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 the camera. Um, I just couldn't imagine like playing at that level and like always playing on turf or you know really nice kept stadium you know uh natural turf fields like lynn stadium and then going to a place where like all of a sudden you you dribble through the infield and the ball takes a random hop off of a place where somebody's foot sunk into the dirt a little bit the the flattened out pitcher's mound that had to be taken out for the week yeah that's just like goofy to me like it makes me wonder like why it's still a thing but obviously it is for as probably as long as we'll uh, be supporting the USL championship. So it's, it's interesting. And there was always this, there's, there's been this talk of, you know, when, when clubs come into the, into the league, they have you know, X number of years, it's either three or four that they need to have sort of some sort of solidified plan down there. And if, you know, if USL president Jake Edward, Edwards was, was here right now, one of my first questions would be, as it's been for, for a few years now, is you had Memphis after year one in a Q&A with fans basically say, we're not looking to go somewhere else, that we're happy with where we're at, even though it's a baseball field, which seems, because 
the big talk is, you know, they have to be kind of have some sort of plan to be on in their own place in some sort of soccer specific stadium in a few, in, you know, a couple years after being founded. And Memphis is is throwing up the middle fingers of that. And New Mexico, they had the the plan for more or less a taxpayer uh, subsidized stadium that got voted down. So they're back to square one figuring out what they're going to do. So they're going to be at Isotope, uh, Isotopes Park, the lab, for a few years more at, at the least. And Memphis isn't looking to change anytime soon. And I have not heard what Tulsa's plan is. So as much as this league wants to take a step forward with facilities, when one of your biggest attended uh, markets in New Mexico is can't find a way out of the baseball field. It's it's kind of a slow plow to to step forward as a league, isn't it? Rough look. And much like uh, MLS with uh, New York City, I kind of hope they've taken the lessons of how tough it is for some of these teams to get out of the baseball fields. That they are very very picky of any teams that want to be brought into the fold in the future, that they better have their stadium situated much better than New Mexico has right now. I mean, in terms of teams that have successfully gotten out of the baseball field, is is the list... The list is Louisville, and that's it? I mean, the only, the only way the teams have gotten out of playing at a baseball stadium is to no longer be in existence. Shout out, uh, City Islanders. Shout out Reno. Shout out Reno. Yeah. Either you know, either you're either Louisville or you you end up folding. Vegas's baseball team tenant happened to leave. Yeah, they got their own they got their new place and now they're doing kinda of, they're on the early years of the of the Tampa system of turning a baseball stadium into a, a soccer stadium. Although who knows how much longer Vegas is around. Did Nashville play on a baseball field? Uh, no. I don't think so, but I could be mistaken. Did they play at Vandy? No, they. I think they did. They. I think they did. They did. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about it, they did, because but then every so often when the Hounds would play there, they would always move that game to. The one time they definitely played Nissan. at the uh, the Titans Stadium, yeah. That was but the I game think where in general, um, they played at a baseball field. That's, that's where the Hounds went. That was that big game in 2019 where the Hounds went. They got red carded, went down a man on some bullshit foul, and then held on for a, what ended up being a massive point. Because we were all yeah. at, we were all at Smoking Joe's, just basically with puckered sphincters, just watching him just claw on for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's what is everyone just like the place was dead silent for an hour, and just there was a hundred of us in there. Yeah, just please don't just bunker and hold for a point, and they they did it. I think I'm guessing that like USL is probably just feeling like the baseball stadiums are a moot point until you have like somebody tears an ankle up or a knee cutting across an infield. And then the conversation gets expedited. Do you, I can't, I can't remember who the player was. There was some visiting player, not a hounds player, but from another team that took like Instagram photos of, of the pitch at Louisville just to show how bad it was. And then, and then, I know we screenshotted it and a bunch of other people didn't put it out there and then that player was DMing everyone and say, Hey, can you take those photos down now? I guess he got he got yelled at or something. But I mean the picture was like it it it, it was 
the field was dog shit. But we won't get into like what Concacaf lets people play on as far as pitch conditions go. So anyway, anyway, <laughs> uh, I guess we'll put the bow on on New Mexico now. Uh, Seth, any other thoughts on on this past weekend? I was disappointed to see them not grab a second late. I mean, they had 70% of the ball over the last 25, 30 minutes of the game. It was really, really so wait, do you like think that. do you think this was two points dropped? On the uh, on the road, no. I, I just I, I don't know. I'm 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 torn. Probably more or less the more or less thinking like. I mean, these they, guys have been on the struggle bus on the road lately. So to take a point, I felt was pretty good, but. Yeah, the road numbers are awful when you look at them. Like, there's just I'm, – I'm not sure what the explanation is for it because, I mean, I'm, I haven't gone back to look over past years, but we've been better than this in years past on the road. I don't know what the difference is this year. I mean, of course, obviously the last two years because of COVID and different divisional alignments, there's been some – much more favorable road matches. So maybe that's kind of skewed my opinion of the Hounds on the road. But but, but that doesn't excuse a 3-0 loss at Charleston. Ever. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's when we, when we look at the end of the year and we go, what was, what was the bad road loss? I think we can, we can close the book now and say that 3-0 at Charleston was going to be the bad road loss. Is what it is. Yak, final thoughts on, on New Mexico. Uh, I can make cases for both fan bases to be either pleased or pissed at this game and the result. So I think that means a tie was pretty fair. That sounds pretty fair um, to me. Other thing that I noted, uh, I think you mentioned the attendance. There were 12,000 people there. I think that is the most people to have watched the Hounds since Cincinnati was in the league. Ooh, I hadn't thought about that way. But you're probably right. That ekes out a couple big Louisville games that we played against them. I, I think Cincinnati would be next. Yeah, what was because we well that was never mind that was that was uh, half attendance, half crowd uh, COVID when we opened yeah, the both, stadium. Both the opener and the playoff game were with limited attendance, so there's no way they were getting anywhere close to that. Yeah, that's right. Even though they probably could have easily done that had it, you know, had this damn coronavirus not come around, maybe things would be different. That's the most. Obvious statement of the night right there. Yeah. Moving on. Big news of the, of the past week. We hinted at it on the podcast this past week. This past week, um, a couple of us knew the name, but uh, we're just trying to hint at everyone else looking on Twitter to figure it out themselves. The Hounds got a new president. Name is Jeff Garner. He the the quick. TLDR on his resume. He was the president of business operations for Orange County, the, the reigning USL championship champions. Before that, he was a Penn State assistant AD in charge of ticket sales and service. Most importantly, he is a graduate of the prestigious Robert Morris University. And he is in their Hall of Fame for sports management, which as someone who went to Bob Mill, I did not know that was a thing, but apparently that's a thing. And uh, a quick look through the social media says he is going to be more active on Twitter than than Vic was previously. 
we have not I have not had a chance to speak to him or, or really communicate with him yet. Neither was anyone else. He's kind of laid low since the announcement. And I'm, I'm assuming just kind of getting the lay of the land. Uh, Yak, I'll start with you. What are what are your first thoughts on on this hire for the role of the presidency? I, I think I only have two quick thoughts, uh, both from the House perspective and for him, because uh, he's not a player, so I can't really dissect his uh, play at all. Um, his team won the cup, which is cool. And Orange County was kind of a tough market to kind of be in for soccer because they're right down the road from two MLS teams. They had um, they don't have a ton of like natural hype around the team, and they they had attendance issues that are very similar to the Hounds. Uh, over the couple of years, it's it's very similar in number, and they're approaching four thousand people in the. Actually, they're at forty two hundred people, but in seats this year. So Orange County has kind of turned it around and uh, increased their amount of people in the stands by fifty percent. That's pretty good. I hope he does that here. That would be cool. If he, um, if he thing, increases by fifty percent, we have to expand. Yes, and by we, I mean Tuffy. Somebody. Not definitely not me. I I can't build anything. The only thing to note is that Vic only resigns uh, like a month ago, and we used to have to wait like years for uh, the Hounds to find a new president or something in the big front office position. So a month or six weeks worth of turnaround is awesome. A uh, little little inside baseball on that. Uh, the birdie in my ear told me that that Vic was interviewing for his replacement. So he had, he had definitely had a say in this. I mean, that's a sign that they have the process kind of down, right? I, a, I took it as a positive. Yeah. That the one that, that he wasn't blind signing uh, Tuffy and the, and the Hounds with, with the resignation, and, and two, they trusted him enough to do the interviews to find the, to find the next him. And, um, yeah, so they had a, a pretty good lead of where this was going to go before Vic was out. Seth, what are your thoughts on on? the new uh the new corner office man and jeff i i really i really love the fact that he comes from usl championship i think having that intel and understanding the league the growth initiatives and kind of where the league's been and where it's go or where it wants to go to is absolutely awesome to see that in the turnover here um i was hoping that they would hire somebody to this role with you know some with that kind of experience and they did so i'm very appreciative of that and i you know when i read the presser that the hounds released about him the thing that really stuck out to me was the fact that he was at penn state whenever pagula ice center was opened and I'm thinking they're definitely going to leverage on that experience. Uh, as far as this new Montour run, I don't even know what to call it, super complex of the future goes. I mean, you know, it seems like they're 100% all in on that. And it's going to be, you know, really the premier facility in Western PA as far as uh tournament hosting capabilities uh i'm sure you're going to start to see a lot more of the higher profile kind of like collegiate showcase events there uh so i think being able to utilize that past experience i think it'll be really great for for, uh, for soccer growth and really to 
expedite that process in Western PA. So I, all in all, I think uh, everything seems like a couple positives for me. Based on on his resume and and based on kind of the the things that we have all thrown out here, his work in Orange County, his work with with Penn State, to me it seems very clear that that his job number one, or at least the reason he was hired, was to was to boost ticket sales in sponsorship dollars, just because that seems to be where his his sweet spot is. Is anyone else seeing that differently, or is Everyone with me that that his job number one is just gonna be straight sell more tickets, get get more sponsors. I would agree with that in both directions. I think we're I think we're finally getting away from the days where you're gonna see you know over fifty percent of the sponsorship boards around the field being toughy companies, <laughs> and i I think that's I think that's huge because then that turns into company sponsored nights for companies that don't have Tuffy telling people to come out to a game. I think it really helps like broaden that footprint across all of Southwestern PA. And I guess my, my last question, and I'm not even sure how I want to answer this question myself because I, again, I have not spoken to, to him yet. And he's not outside of the the press release. He is. We have not heard from him directly. He's, he's had a few interactions on on Twitter. Um, we're going to assume he's pro pisser under the section at this point, but he hasn't said that directly. We're just inferring. But the question to you guys, and I'll start with you, Seth. What do you want to hear or see from him from the off to 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 reassure you that that he's the guy for this job? What what are you looking for in these first? let's say two months. We've always kind of heard that the architecture model that they went with at Highmark Stadium was kind of an expansion-based setup where there was always this possibility of, you know, putting seats in corners and things like that, which obviously in order to increase ticket sales at this point, they really have to start figuring out where to put these additional people. You can't have, you can't always have them 30 deep outside of the pub down there. Uh, So I'm really curious to see if he's coming in with, and they're, you know, really kind of giving him the main task of looking how to expand capacity at Highmark stadium. Yak, what what do you want to see from from the new man Jeff from the off? I think we're a little. In my opinion, I'm still ways a little ways away from hoping to expect to see Highmark be expanded. I just want it to be easier to get around and and enter Highmark Stadium, buy stuff from Highmark Stadium, get food there, whatever, everything else. Just more because it it can get congested in a lot of places because it's a it's a tight fit. We've already. We're already putting more people there than it was built to hold. Um, but just in general, like the the Atlanta game back in April, that was a sellout for like relatively no apparent reason. I would just love to see that happen more often. That's really what I want. Just more regular season games that mean that much to that many people that we start selling out that place more often. And that's something I always have to – I mean, it's a slightly tangential to this, but 
I mean, the first couple of years of Highmark, it was it was thirty five hundred, and we were used to that being kind of half capacity for those games. Now we're used to seeing you know seventy five percent capacity and getting kind of slumped shoulders about it because it's not filled. A handful of years ago, thirty five hundred would would have would have sold that place out, and now we're pretty regularly going above thirty five hundred, tipping into the you know the four thousand the four thousand five hundred range, especially when you know this again go back to the the last home game where it looked like it was very walk up walk up ticket sales heavy, which is might just be the model that the Hounds are gonna have to go after because it's not gonna be in season ticket sales for better or worse. Uh, I mean, if if he's able to do the work, the numbers that he pulled at Orange County. It's. I mean, you're looking at, you're you're looking at at, at around five thousand on on a on a consistent basis, and then. I guess they are looking to expand at that point. I mean, if if they're being that aggressive or they're being that uh, optimistic about things, I mean, you're not looking at that much of a percent in terms of percentage. You're not looking at that big of a jump before you. You're running out of of seats to sell. So who knows? Would, I, I think you would have to consistently breach that forty-eight hundred marker, five thousand two, in on like the summer and fall Saturdays for it to get it. Whether our average attendance stays down at four K or whatever, because that's just what Wednesdays or early games do, um, or whatever. But like when it comes time to like when the weather's good, when we are the show in town and we're selling things out, that's when I want to say, okay, let's see what we can do. I think it speaks to what you said about 3,500 a couple of years ago. It speaks to how Highmark Stadium has kind of, it, when it opened a decade ago, it was like the crown jewel of the league because aside from Charleston, no one else had their own place. And now there's a lot more newer stadiums, bigger crowds, nicer stadiums coming into fold. And we're in the bottom five or six of attendance of independent teams. And Highmark has its own issues beyond just it's a relatively small stadium because it's kind of cramped in there. Which is also part of it. I mean, if they sold out every week, they'd still be in the bottom half of uh, independent teams' uh, sales or attendance just because of capacity. But it would show we would need more. Yes. That would be another ceiling to, to go through. Like in 2018, we were re-hitting the ceiling because we were getting close to 3,500 a lot. Also, the league mandated it, but then we built the brand new Paul Child stand, and more people were allowed in, and suddenly we're putting 4,000, 4,500 people in the stands on big game days. Installing the death seats because we had to. Yeah, I mean, and if they do, you know, start hitting those attendance numbers, there's some serious infrastructure logistics issues they have to start to figure out how to get oh, people oh yeah they the would court. they would have to put a pistol under our section at that point they would have to <laughs> not you know i wasn't even going there i'm talking as far as concessions i know you are uh i mean like, let's face it like the, the we ticket have gates the ticket gates I, and like the team store like we have oh my really, god we have really nice stuff finally to buy and like I don't spend a ton of money because it's such a nightmare getting in and out of there. Like if it was just easier to get into the team store, it 
I think they, I think like you would see them make a ton more money. I don't think I, I think I walked in there on a game day once and said never again because it was a total clusterfuck. That applies to, I think, a lot of things going on. Like, if you want to buy merch, if you want to buy a pretzel, if you want to do anything in Highmark, you have to want it because it's just everybody is everywhere. There's no, in, there's no impulse buys for soft pretzels or jerseys. I will plug this real quick. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody else is a fan of the Sangria Spritzer as I am. Uh, but it's actually produced by Straub, and you can find it in cans. Uh, so go to Straub's website, and you can find it on their uh, on their little like find beer locator tool. Uh, so if anybody from Straub's listening, I can direct message you my address for a few cases. But uh, yeah, it, I found it at a uh, local brewery by me. And I was pleasantly surprised to find it somewhere outside the friendly confines of Highmark Stadium. I have not had this, but now that you're speaking highly of it, I'm willing to give it a try. A man of culture, Seth. I love it. Rob, send us money. Or booze. Or booze. I feel if they send us money, we have to to do tax forms, and I won't do that. I I like booze more than money. Amen. Uh, yeah. Moving on. Uh, as previously mentioned, we're recording this Tuesday night. On Tuesday morning, Tuffy sent out a tweet with the, the big old eyeballs. Uh, Stu Army retweeted, throwing out that we're on, we're on a tough on, uh, uh, tough con klaxon alert. Uh, John Krasinski from... Pittsburgh Soccer Now throughout the, the in the next 24 to 48 hours. So maybe by the time you hear this, the announcement's already going to be made. But we are awaiting an announcement of what has been described as good news, and that has spent that has sent everyone into um, uh, absolutely absurd guesses and speculation, which is the best type of speculation. And so I will I will ask you guys, knowing nothing more than. It is good news, and it, it got Tuffy to tweet out some eyeballs. Uh, what's your expectations? Well, let, okay, let's break into two separate categories. If it is a player signing, what are you looking for? And we'll start with you, Seth. Cool. Uh, I'll, I'll be 100% honest. I'm, I'm going to completely just like, are you punting from this question? He's punting because I I don't think it's a player signing at this point. All right, and, fair enough. And, unless it's a goalie, what? unless it's a keeper. All right, but I I think we're fine there. So Yak. I'm gonna I'm gonna punt. He's punting. If, Yak, what do you got? From a personnel perspective, we could use a defender. Uh, irrationally, though, if they're gonna wait like 48 hours to hype a player signing, this dude better have like. Bundesliga or Premier League or U.S. national team experience, whatever he plays, because I can't imagine anybody's hyping up a player that much for two days just to announce a signing like halfway through the season. So I agree with Seth. It's probably not a player signing. If it is a player signing, I agree with everyone that I think a keeper is the one of the, the glaring... I mean, I've, I, the keeper play is not bad, but it's not 
exceptional. My apologies to the, to the, the goalkeeper union of the Hounds right now. I concur. You know who is currently unsigned? The 2021 USL goalkeeper of the year, Evan Loro, is not signed. The, the guy who, like, destroyed his leg celebrating? Yes. That's fascinating. I thought you were going to say Yammer Yager. Yager's um, also not signed. And I would, I, would, <laughs> I would lose my shit. If Yager Watch came to the fucking hounds, I'd lose my... Oh, fuck me. After after awesome. everybody saw that after everybody saw that video of Ovechkin playing, I'm just maybe, going back to the times when everyone was tracking Yager's flight plans back whatever it was nine years ago. Anyways, Evan Loro is not signed. Let's say he's fully re, like he's re, re, rehabilitated. He's looking for a club, and of all people, Bob, who notoriously will not overpay for a keeper, also and, and goes out and grabs that guy because he's. Somewhat of a risky sign based on on the recent injury history. I, I think Evan, again, big question marks around it. If I would not be stunned if that was a signing. If it is a player signing, a guy like Evan Laura would not be. It would be high upside, low, ter- not a terribly big risk depending on what, what number he gets signed at. But because you're. you're I'll, I'll leave you that. If it's a player signing, I'm just going to go to limits. Evan Loro. Can I'm not familiar enough with the like the new CBA. Can you sign somebody for like a six month deal? Uh, I mean, there is a minimum. Problem is the way they've described it. It's always I guess it's always been assumed that you're signing a guy for for the season. So I don't know how that would work when you're signing a guy in in July. Because there is a minimum number of months on the contract. Now, you can't sign a guy for, um, you know, four or five months or whatever it is. So you, you, there's a carve-out for, like, a 25-day contract. Uh, but I don't know how they would handle if, you know, a guy, like, let's say this case, he was just now healthy to sign with a team in mid-July, how that would handle. Like a Like a pure, like, prove it kind of deal like six months show the rest of the league in the world that you're healthy oh but bob let you bob sign that dude bob is signing whoever if let's say it isn't evan laurel he he's not getting away from the year plus a an option year deal bob's getting that on the back end for sure if it works out the only person to not get that is is um uh, Dan Danny Griffin's current contract is just this year. It's not. It's the first con first Hounds contract under Bob. That's not a year plus an option year. Obviously, we all know the backstory now that he probably wasn't going to be here this year anyway. If it wasn't for a knock and a tryout, so. Yeah. But I don't think like Bob if. Even for a guy like Evan Laura, if, if that guy signed, he's Bob's getting his option year. Bob loves his option year. So since you guys think it's not a player signing, what do you think it is? Yak. And I don't have an earthly clue. 
a lot of people, a lot of people is, want it to be a women's yeah, this team. is wild speculation time. Uh, 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 pass, pass, pass. Seth, you know what? That Yak, dude Yak, on Twitter, Seth, that dude Seth on punted Twitter when, when it was said, a player. Yak's playing when it's not a player, even though Yak doesn't think it is a player. Yak had the rundown. He should have been ready for this question. Seth, what do you got? Seth. This is bad. What bad, do you got? bad podcast. Bad podcast TV. I just had to run inside to grab another glass of water. <laughs> I am going At least Lions say it was another beer. Yes. Another no, another sangria water. spritzer. I wish. Straub hit me up. I'll DM you my address. Um I'm going to say this. There has been a company that used to have its name on a particular stadium in Pittsburgh that no longer is having their name there. I'm wondering some sort of affiliation there. What, you're thinking, uh, what, Console Energy Arena or Console Energy Field? Good guess. Uh, that, not that one. I was thinking maybe something with Heinz. Uh-huh. I, I, I know Pittsburgh Sporting or Pittsburgh uh, Clothing Company tweeted out that uh, Photoshop of the Heinz bottles on top of the Highmark Stadium. That got the gears kind of grinding in my head. I, I'm not sure what the stadium uh, naming contract runs through with Highmark. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, obviously we've seen like. 84 Lumber come on as a pretty big sponsor this year. I know Heinz technically isn't a Pittsburgh company anymore, but obviously they've, they're still pretty big regionally as far as that kind of stuff goes. Uh, I'm wondering if there's some sort of the Hounds might have jumped at that opportunity. Uh, I mean, if we're going to take this back into the, the realm of the realistic Assuming that AHN and, and Highmark are essentially one and the same for these purposes, uh, AHN's deal for the for their office space and everything at, at uh, Montour Junction, uh, when we had our meeting with Vic, I asked him about this, they're, they're signed in for like a 10-year lease. So I don't think AHN slash Highmark are going anywhere anytime soon. Maybe they they downgrade the amount of their, of their sponsorship and they get off the name by just in terms of naming the stadium, but I don't think that's happening. Um, maybe there's an outside chance of like I, I threw it out there on the Twitter like Heinz Field at Highmark Stadium or some bizarre combination thereof. With all that said, and I I asked this question completely sincerely. Because I know how insane. When the Highmark Stadium news dropped a couple days ago, there's like a lot of um, uh, people tweeting like fond memories of Highmark Stadium or of, of Heinz Field, and I thought it was all like very tongue cheek because it's it's a corporate sponsorship name. Who really gives a shit? And then you find out that people were like actually attached to the name Heinz Field beyond the fact that it's just. You know, a, a, a name given because they wrote a check. And now the, the ketchup bottles have come down at the football stadium. How many Yinzers would buy a ticket to a Riverhounds game if they found out that 
the hounds bought a ketchup bottle and they would open up and pour ketchup for a goal. A stupidly high amounts. Like how many people would actually like Just would like they sell every goal? Would they sell okay, I'll put the number. Would there be five hundred people that would buy a ticket just because of the ketchup bottle? Yes. Yeah. Knowing knowing that it was a soccer match or getting duped online. No, 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 no. No, completely up front. The the ketchup bottle is now located at the soccer stadium and it opens up it pours when they score a goal. How many Yinzers are buying a ticket? I'm dead serious. I'll take the over 500. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking if, easy money. if for some reason Hines ended up on a jersey, which I think logistically that can't happen this year, but like if it, if they if the Hounds announced that tomorrow, like they were sponsored by Hines now, we would sell out of jerseys from non-soccer fans. Problem is, I think, yeah, the, the, the jersey space is taken. Maybe they can... Correct. Wait, is there is there not a sleeve space? Op- the opposite sleeve of the, of the USL logo. They, I, I don't. I don't think I, my statement would hold if it's just a little ketchup bottle on the left arm. But because they've they've sold the front, they sold the 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 tail wheel spot. Uh, I think the opposite sleeve is available, and the and the uh, the sh- the back of the short spot is still available. If it's Heinz, you have us looking like I NASCAR would- drivers. If it's Heinz, I want them to go with a third, uh, with a red alternate, all uh, like the old Pirates two thousand, early two thousand red jerseys. I want, I want that. I mean, you I could almost do that because remember there was the 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 early Highmark days when the number one Cochrane logo was was um, was vertical. On the uh, yeah yeah on the I remember those jerseys yeah 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 do that with like a red oh did uh, what, didn't like, the early days Heinz. Hounds have a, a red red unit you can almost like a throwback with Heinz the, like I, the colors of the Hounds I mean back when they had the red the red was more incorporated into the logo yeah what about it if they did like a throwback uniform with with the red as the primary color and then uh, Threw Heinz on as a, as the shirt sponsor. I, I'd believe it. So you, wait, I'm, I'm I gotta go back because this blows my mind that you guys are both. I thought I was throwing out an absurd number. You think the Hounds could sell 500 tickets just on putting a fucking ketchup bottle over top of the scoreboard? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I love the city. I love the city. How long have you lived? In, uh, how long have you lived in Pittsburgh? I know, I know, but I I I've heard Yinzer's detest. Yinzer's general hatred of soccer would override their love for fucking ketchup bottles, but maybe I'm wrong. If it doesn't say Heinz on the bottle, people flat out won't even look at it. No, no, I'm, no, no. I'm, I'm, they're just—they're taking the ball they're straight off of of the Heinz Field scoreboard and just ferry it. Literally, do a photo shoot where they ferry that motherfucker across the river, across the mon, and put it over top of the scoreboard at, at Highmark. Five hundred. People, can yeah. you can yeah. you imagine the just the absolute yinsplosion if there's a video of them putting one of those ketchup bottles onto a Gateway Clipper on North Shore and bringing it 
Oh yeah, no, definitely, oh De definitely. <laughs> Literally, I want the video of them barging the thing over the fucking mon. <laughs> With like Donnie Iris playing on the top, and the Clarks playing. Yeah, on the bottom. Uh, Tuffy's Tuffy's like, tight with uh, uh, Blazy from the Clarks. He can make that happen. Yeah, I mean, I think you know we need to get on the phone at like nine o'clock tomorrow with Hound Marketing, and let them know. We've solved Jeff, everything. if you're listening to this, we got an idea for you. If you're looking to sell more tickets, hit us up. I can't believe this is a conversation. Gonna be, it, we just had this it, conversation. It, I, we just re we really did this. We like went into like deep space nine of like this possibly happening. I didn't didn't Toffee, like, buy a ketchup it, bottle. I I, th I think it's a sound investment. You you've spent more money on worse things. Like Collins John, you buy the ketchup bottle. It, it it I really feel like they like really kind of promote a lot of, about the app beginning in the year, and we haven't heard much since. So I'm wondering if it's some sort of like crypto coin, like put money onto it to use it inside the stadium. Okay, now let's go completely off off the rails. Is that is that app gonna be the 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 horde legacy of Vic? I hope not. I mean that that app is know. useless. All right. Are, I mean, are they gonna like tether like Ticketmasters like that was the app? that was the claim? No, that ain't happened. That's not happened. You notice how they're all they're like they're now they're trying to send all the tickets to everyone one one text message at a time. Because uh, I guess everyone got I know I, like, everyone got annoyed that, that they were getting all the tickets like piecemealed. Yeah, I like put my phone on do not disturb for a few meetings today. I opened my phone up. I have like 15 text messages. <laughs> you finally got your season tickets. From the hounds. Yeah. God. Can we just go back I, to I paper know, tickets? Like, they worked well. Or, or, I mean, like, can I like order my 24 ounce Tecate on the app and walk over and scan something at a kiosk and it gives it to me? Vic claimed like, that there's going to be some yeah. for, some sort of version of of concessions ordering from the app too, but that hasn't happened. I don't know. But, I, I if if we're being like logical here and like not being completely like yinzer centric, I I feel like it's something involving the app. I, it right now. <sighs> The most houndsy thing of 2022 is going to be that app for all the hype being absolutely worthless. I hope I hope I'm proven wrong, but I I don't think I'm going to be. Which would make sense why they're sending out tickets because they want to eliminate potential roadblocks down the line. There's I mean, has there been a reason to log into that app in the past month? No. All right. Not it's not been worth it. No. Should we move on? I won. Yes. I won tickets through the uh, app for like the first game for like the field box, but like I think that was probably the last time I went into it. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the USL summer meetings are this week. They're hyping this Phoenix at Louisville game as some massive thing, even though Louisville is very good, and Phoenix is surprisingly pretty dog shit and. Um, you wouldn't be shocked if, if Phoenix may change in, in manager uh, coming up here soon because it's been pretty, pretty, 
putrid. But let's worry about the, the server meetings. Not a lot of information has come out about the topics uh, central to, the, to these meetings, but if previous meetings and kind of things have been tabled or any indication, the, the two things most Im important to us as fans, as supporters, as consumers and customers is the ongoing talk of pro-rel between USL Championship and USL League One and this potential transition to a, a winter schedule to get us to get USL more in line with uh, the rest of the world in terms of when the club schedule is. Without knowing exactly what is being brought up in this in this meeting, because for some reason uh, the athletic has kind of dropped the ball on, on reporting on this. Guys, what um, what are you looking for coming out of this meeting in terms of, of the USL or the USL Championship in particular? Seth, what um, what do you have your eyes on? I'll be 100% honest. Until I saw it on the rundown for tonight's pod, I really didn't even know it was happening. Um, I, I feel like in-season changes are you know are pretty hard to come by especially when you've already had schedule you know the fixtures have been out there for however long now like i, I don't know I, that's actually what i was just looking up was when is the actual championship final slated for this year because if they do decide to go to the winner schedule you'd have to think at some point there would have to be like a calendar shortened year to give time before that next year started. I think that's one of the, the big questions about if they, if they change the calendar is how do you transition from one season to the next? You, you either have basically no off season from, from one uh, spring to fall season into a, what will be the new fall to spring season or you have a massive like year plus gap without soccer which seems not to be an option or they yeah, they do some the they do some crazy NASL like split split schedule thing the 2022 USL championship final will be played between November 10th and November 14th which is remember that's so, also early this year because they're trying to avoid the world cup right cuz usually it falls a little yeah. later than that so, I mean, unless they are planning on having a six-week turnaround, eight-week turnaround, I don't really see that transition happening this year. Oh, yeah. I don't think if, if, if they even make that change, it does. I think that's still two years down the road. at yeah. the Because everything that they're doing is with their eyes on in place for the World Cup in the United States. I'd really like to see a league, a league cup. I know, uh, I know the WNBA is doing their version of that this year, so maybe that'll start to gain momentum in the U.S. I know there's been talks of the NBA possibly doing some sort of a tournament-style cup as well. Um, I, I would like to hear more thoughts on that from them, if we're being completely honest, because. 
as we all know, the U.S. Open Cup really just becomes down to it comes down to a matter of when do you draw an MLS team and are they all in on it or are you going to face a reserve team? I feel like the like a League Cup would be the precursor to Pro Rel. It'd be like the little like the hors d'oeuvre, the appetizer to to going Pro Rel. Like they introduce that a year or two in advance to get people all get all people all hyped for for what Pro Rel can bring. Uh, I I would be very disappointed if they go the Pro Rel route and then not do a League Cup. I mean, who knows CBA wise how that fits into it. In terms of of rest and games played and all that kind of all that kind of stuff, because the league cup chat chatter kind of died down a lot, while the the pro rel chatter did not. So maybe they're they're shying away from that idea. But I would I would love to see that as a as a, like a one or two year precursor to actual pro rel. Um, Yak, what are your thoughts going into these? What could be substantial summer meetings? I am super tinfoil hatty when it comes to uh, ProRail. I think the longer MLS keeps fighting USL and trying to incringe on uh, potential independent teams' uh, locations and markets, it becomes more and more vital for USL to vitalize, to, to, to differentiate itself, to just to keep it going, um, especially with League One not struggling, but there are a bunch of teams in mostly the Southeast and very far flung teams out west and the southwest that makes it a little bit difficult i really think they need to get that going and the last time jeff no not jeff reuter that's the reporter um the commish whoever he is uh talked about it. he want thank you he wants to get it done by 2026 but the longer it goes on without them trying uh the harder it's going to be to do um and i was i was all about like Every year of the past couple seasons, Jake Edwards would make his rounds on like the big USL podcast and be like, well, I want to do pro rel and I want to do this. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is great, but this is just, just talk. And it doesn't mean anything. And then uh, Jeff Reuter came out with a report that they were going to vote on it last winter. And I'm like, wait, they're doing something. They're trying. And they didn't vote on it. They canceled the vote like months in advance. And I'm like, okay, so it's all talk. We haven't gone anywhere. And, it's the same thing with like the people who want MLS to have pro rel, like the higher that fees get, the more the owners of the championship teams aren't going to be like, well, I guess we had a bad season. We're going to get relegated to league one now. No, but, but the fees keep getting higher. They keep sticking teams in championship when league one needs to grow out more. Cause they only have like a dozen independent teams. Um, so like if they, if they're serious about it, something positive, has to come out of that if they want to try to implement pro route. Um, when it comes to like the winter schedule thing, I am selfishly in favor. I just don't see how it's feasible. I, I don't think it, I don't think anyone's going to push for it too, too hard. I don't think that'll ever have much of a chance. I'd like it to, I'm a much better fan of cold weather, but that's just me. The reality is most people are probably going to stay away in a lot of, team stadiums when it's really really cold out i think i feel like the winter the winter schedule you probably have half the league owners that are like yeah let's do it being that they're south of north carolina and then you probably have everybody north of it saying we can't do that because then our average temperature for 
over half of our games is around the freezing and we're going to completely cut our attendance. So uh, the winter schedule is going to have to be absolutely like really well thought up or it's going to probably potentially tank league attendance. The winter schedule to me, to make it work, you're going to have to convince a bunch of owners again, as you mentioned, kind of in that north northeast section of the country, that financially they're better off getting into the calendar that the rest of the world, that most of the rest of the world is using, and using that as a as an advantage to sell players and make money that way is a better trade off than the attendance you'll lose by staging games in late November, December. January, February. I mean, I obviously there would there would be some sort of winter break in there. Uh, most famously, like how the Bundesliga does it. But you're gonna have to convince the toughies and the mystery owner in Detroit and things like people like that that somehow the the markets that are opened up by being on the international calendar outweighs the tickets that will be lost when casual fans don't want to go to a game on December twelfth. And I don't know how hard of a sell it's going to be, but it feels like that'd be a pretty hard sell. What was the like? What was the catalyst of this winter calendar? Was it to think? Was it like thinking they could better align and possibly attract better talent? They want to be. They because... want to be aligned with the the transfer windows of of the rest of the world, so that USL clubs are in better position to sell players as a revenue stream because something that holds back a lot of European clubs from buying MLS talent is the the counters being off sync. And they think that they're better, they're, there's going to be a better chance of, of uh, selling and then eventually also buying talent if you're in sync with the calendar of most of the rest of the world. I think one of the things that got the gears really grinding on this idea was... Uh, it was the Monarchs, I think. The uh, Salt Lake City Monarchs sold somebody to Europe for some big fee. Um, at the time, it was the record for USL. And I imagine the commission was like, what if every team had the chance to sell somebody for $100,000 or whatever he went for at the time? And like suddenly this league becomes sol- salvageable or something. Commission is also super traditionalist, so... Commissioner, the uh, president also played for the Charleston Battery. Da, 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 da. Nice. So we will see what comes out of those meetings. Hopefully, we'll get the um, some leaked little uh, scoops from uh, again the athletic. <sighs> Shout uh, the athletic. You want me to to renew my my uh, subscription again this coming December? Uh, I need some more USL content from you because lately it's been pretty shallow. Um, well, not even shallow. It's been non-existent. So uh, I can get my TFC news from from a lot of other places. If you want to want to keep my whatever fifty bucks or whatever it is I I send you a year, I need some more USL news. So get on that. Uh man, we're at, we're at hour fifteen in this. Let's um let's make this. We'll go a little quick on this next part. Last night, again, we're recorded on Tuesday. 
you'll probably hear in this either Wednesday night, most likely Thursday. Last night, San Diego, uh, Colorado Springs played a game. It was it was a, a makeup, a reschedule because there was a COVID outbreak, I believe, with Colorado a few weeks back. So this was a, a rescheduled game. Uh, long story short, Colorado puts out a statement a couple hours before kickoffs, basically apologizing for for the shit roster, the shit um, starting lineup they're about to put out there, basically blaming. Uh, schedule congestion and uh, some some injury the injury bug hitting them and illnesses all things and sure enough Colorado puts out a lineup um, more or less half their regular starters half some combination of of their bench and some academy not even their own academy because they don't have an academy anymore that was a, a COVID casualty. Uh, some other Colorado Academy thing, and they have one sub on the bench against San Diego. When this is a, a you know a top four in the West matchup, uh, San Diego goes out and and wipes the floor with them three nil. Uh, which, on one hand, as someone who likes to wager some money on this, the the Rapids or uh, the Switchbacks telling everyone that, hey, we're going to be pretty bad tonight was awesome because that was, <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> 90 minutes for a kickoff, you're getting San Diego at, at even money with with Colorado saying that they're not going to be good tonight. That was basically free money to pick up. On the other hand, this is not a great look for the league. Um, And could you imagine if this game was scheduled for some sort of Network, not network, but you know, ESPN, ESPN two, Deportes, whatever type of broadcast, and one team has one sub on the bench. That'd be a pretty horrific look for the league. Uh, Yak, where, where do you fall on on this very very goofy night in the league last night? If if the league is going to continue to carve out exceptions for COVID uh, protocols, which I agree with it's one thing where all your people are injured. That's just the run of play. But if they're going to be like, well, we have to still be careful because we can't let the opposing team, you can't let the rest of your team get COVID. That's all fine. Then you you cannot possibly let this team play with 12 players, two of whom were, were Academy kids that had never played at USL before. Like there, there has to be at some point, some midweek somewhere between these two teams that they could just stick this game on a different Wednesday. Like, like they, they, play, they both – Colorado played on Friday. San Diego played on Saturday. So a day – No, I, I don't think Colorado – I don't think San Diego played on Saturday. I think they were off for like a week. Didn't they, they get their asses handed to them by somebody? Isn't that what I read on Twitter? They, they, they had a nine-day break going into this. Okay. So San Diego did not – okay. But Colorado Springs still – Colorado played, played Friday. They played Friday. Friday, Monday, and they're playing again this upcoming Friday. No, you could have put this game any other way. That it is unacceptable that they stuck this on on the switchbacks like that in this manner. Seth, where do you fall on this? First off, did you did you did you I, jump on on the money? No, I didn't. Uh, no. I didn't have that insight to make some free money off of it. I actually watched most of it. Um, I thought the really impressive thing of it for Colorado was they managed to make it to six players on the on the pitch with carrying a yellow before the first got sent off for a double yellow. Uh, that was pretty impressive to me. Um, 
I, I agree. Like there has to be like from a competitive balance standpoint for the league, like an integrity, if you call it integrity, whatever you want to call it. But like there has to be some sort of like a roster lock 24 hours before the match that the league can kind of say, like step in and say like, why are you doing this? Or, you know, ultimately probably have to force a forfeit or reschedule. But can you, I mean, when they rescheduled this game, they couldn't possibly have known that, that Colorado would just get decimated with injuries in the lead up to it. You know, it wasn't like the league was aware, hey, you guys are pretty well decimated with injuries. Now let's schedule the game. That The, the injuries came after the, 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 the game was rescheduled. And, I mean, yeah. is, it, is it nothing more than just than tough luck and Colorado is paying the price for not having an academy and not having a deep enough roster or is it, does the league have some greater responsibility? When it comes to injuries, no, I, I think this happens from the time to time in um, the NBA mostly that occasionally you just have a bad rut and suddenly uh, the 15 man NBA roster is down to like nine players or in this case, 12 players for a, soccer roster but like when it, if it's a covid issue then you 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 can't make exceptions for some teams because there's been games that have been postponed earlier this year and not have it happen again i i think this is just such an awful awful look hopefully this is like the exception this is like a one-time thing or otherwise if it if it starts to happen you know more often than not then the league's really going to have to look at their internal policies and try to figure out how to withhold that competitive integrity of the standard of what they put on the field. The standard is the standard. Thank you, Mike Tomlin. What's your, what's your thoughts on Colorado almost waving the white flag three hours to kickoff? Why not just forfeit? Oh, I'm sure there's same like, result as what you wound up getting. Oh, I'm, I'm sure there's some some massive fine or maybe a points deduction for forfeiting. Like you have to you yeah, have true. to um, fulfill your your league obligations. Although now they have it's two just, guys, they have two guys on red cards now, so maybe that might have actually been better. Right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's like, uh, or can you imagine like how pissed would you be if you're a San Diego fan and some academy kid comes studs up into your best player's knee and takes them out for the rest of the year. Cause they're just out there having time of their life. Like it's yeah. But how know. pissed are you if you're San Diego and you lose a home game because Colorado's forfeiting and you're losing that gate. I think no, it was I mean, both. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought you, I didn't know you had more. Go ahead. Now, I think, you know, obviously that's where you have to start potentially looking into ticket sale sharing or, you know, things like that. Like make it put some collateral to it to both sides. Because on the other hand, I mean, you know, we're, we're obviously it was the road team who did this in this situation. But on the other hand, what if it was San Diego who did it? who fell in that situation with tough luck and, you know, schedule congestion, then it's, 
I don't know if we're having that same conversation, but it, it it's it's really tough. I feel from the like I said, I'm just going to hope that this was a one time occurrence, and we can move past it. Yeah, can you final thoughts on on last night? I think the tweet was funny and admirable. If the Hounds were put in some shitty situation like that, I think I'd I would I would appreciate the admin having a good joke about it. I would like to just thank Colorado for putting that out there. I would like to thank uh, the legal sportsbook operators for not picking up on that. Um, as as we didn't record a, a podcast two weeks ago because I had some car issues. My car is still not back from the mechanics. I'm supposed to get it back tomorrow. Colorado Rapids management slash admin, your, your fair warning a couple hours ahead of kickoff has now mitigated a large portion of my uh, mechanics bill. So thank you for that. Hounds, uh, back to the Hounds. Hey, you know we're a Hounds podcast, right? Uh, the Hounds are are in Hartford this weekend. Hartford. Hartford, Connecticut. Fraudford. Uh, Hartford are frauds. If there is not one universal truth in this world, it is that. Hartford are frauds. Pittsburgh at Hartford this Saturday, 7 p.m. kickoff. Uh, this will be the reverse fixture from the Hounds home opener when they took all three points from Hartford that night, uh, although Hartford's been giving away three points a lot this year. There has been a significant number of changes for Hartford since that week two or three meeting. Uh, a quick kind of rundown of those. Their head coach, uh, Harry Watling, is out. Ray Reed, who was the former head coach at UConn, uh, was brought in as a technical director. His first One of his first duties as technical director was to basically tell Harry Watling that he was sick the next week, so Harry Watling was off the bench. Ray Reed came in as, as a, a substitute head coach for what was this you know weirdly timed uh, illness for Watling. Ray Reed was on the bench for a week. He decided that he was a bear at the job than, than Watling was, so he promptly fired the head coach and installed himself as the interim head coach, which is bizarre beyond being bizarre, but it, that Reed is kind of a, a legendary figure in, in Connecticut soccer, so he could probably get to do what he wants. And then on more close to the Hounds news, they have brought in one former Hound. They have excused another former Hound from since the last time we faced them. Austin Pack, the goalkeeper, is out. He was their, His contract was terminated. And then they've uh, signed Corey Hertzog. Corey, Corey Hertzog, a uh, guy with an interesting history with the Hounds. Um, he's kind of been a spot depth guy for, for Hartford so far. Hartford on the year, 4-11-4, 16 points, 12 points back of the playoff line. They are 1-3-1, they're past 5. Uh, they really have only one notable win, and that is a, a 2 0 home victory over Colorado Springs, who we just talked about a lot. Uh, uh, Seth, top uh, top headline thoughts on this match? Got to go get three points. I think that's really all it comes down to. This is like not to like try to start saying like must win matches but you know we're in fourth in the east right now we want that home playoff game and we're looking to possibly move up the table to host the you know the possibility of hosting two 
these are the matches you have to go take three points out of. So I'm hoping they will, you know, you don't, you don't have any midweek congestion to worry about resting guys. We already talked about the, uh, the preferred 11 of Bob Lilly. Hopefully we see that him run that back out and they, you know, I'd like to go see him chili goal or something like that. Yak, you, uh, you as confident, Seth? Yes. Uh, maybe, uh, chili goal is a little aggressive, but yeah, we, anything less than three points going to Hartford is, uh, will be make, will make me a sad yak. So yeah, pretty straightforward. Um, I wish there was more kind of say about this, but it, Hartford is a. I mean, it feels like Hartford. They brought they brought in and Reed. His clearly his his objectives is beyond twenty twenty two. He's you know already dismissed the head coach. He's seen in there as an interim job. Um, I I bought Hartford tickets for the when the Hounds played there last year, um, in like the second or third week of the season. So now I'm on Hartford's uh, email list. And they've been doing these like messages from from Ray Reed, like email blasts. So they're definitely making him the de facto face of the organization uh, for his quasi legendary status with UConn soccer. So to me, it's clear that they're already looking beyond this year. They're just kind of riding up the schedule, and then kind of already trying to build towards twenty twenty three in terms of being more competitive. So that kind of tells me go in there, make no mistakes about it, go get the three points and get the hell out of there without any injuries. Uh, I would like to keep up the streak of former Hounds not scoring on on the Hounds, especially you, Corey Herzog, when who's known me for a while, probably knows I was not a big Corey Herzog fan, so... It will it'll hurt me big times if he, he uh, if he puts one in the back of the net. I'm just glad that he doesn't have 45 minutes to shoot at us in the Paul Child stand. Yeah, it was nice that he was not he was not with the team when uh, when they came here earlier in the year. And all these pre- so this will be the first time he will face the Hounds as a former Hound because he was uh, the rest of the time he was out in the West when the East and the West didn't play each other. So. Uh, this will be the first time he has a chance to extract some sort of revenge. Uh, inside, you didn't play him when he was in St. Louis. I don't think so. See, now you got me thinking, but I, I don't think. Twenty twenty, the one time we played at St. Louis, was he in the lineup that night? I wouldn't be surprised, but uh, I'm not looking at it yeah, right I'm now. Not, I'm not looking up either right now. If I'm wrong, so. It... If if I'm wrong about that, it'll be the one time we're wrong. Um, Fun fact: I actually have a Corey Hertzog St. Louis jersey autographed from a prize package I won at a charity event the Hounds did. So oh, I remember they did. what was that was for? What were they doing? Like uh, crazy piece on for? the pitch event. That's right. It was that. Yes. And then someone said uh, Corey was trying. He, was, he he sent a message to the Hounds when uh, when Bob took over trying to get back and and as I was told, Bob was like, "Thanks, but but no thanks. We're good." So, Don't call us. We'll call you. 
And Bob was not calling him. Oh, well. Things happen. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine her? Could you imagine Herzog shooting at the new higher stands in the Paul Child stand? Like, are you suggesting we're all be in danger? The, I mean, if if you stood down low enough, no, you're fine. But anybody, anybody in like the quote unquote new section of it, wa- hide your beer. It's getting spilled. Did anyone see the clip from the from the Canadian Premier League like a week and a half ago oh, where the guy man. cleared it off of his own goal line? Did you talk about it on here? No, I have not. Oh, but man. my first thought was, holy fuck, that's a Corey Hartsock move if there, if there ever was one. <laughs> that was my I, first I I thought put, was, holy fuck. Corey's missed and, from that same distance. Who, and, and the guy who hit it like began the celebration like – Bob wouldn't let that guy off the pitch until the next training session began. All I, all the only thing that clip was missing with the guy was the guy grabbing his own head in disbelief, like fucking Herzog. That was any I, idea? That was the only thing I could think of when I saw that. Do you have any idea what happened to that guy? Is he still on the team? Like, <laughs> did, did did the Vegas gamblers like get to him? What's his deal? Yeah, some 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 Eastern Europeans were not pleased. I don't know. Oh. God, fuck. Corey's going to score on us now, isn't he? After all that shit talking. He's Absolutely. Got, he's good for like a brace this weekend. Fuck. Get on, the, get on your uh, favorite wagering app now and bet him to score. Yeah, if you can yeah. find Herzog anytime goal scorer, just, just yeah. Take, take all your free Colorado money from last night and just throw it on him now. We talked he's into gonna, existence. He's going to take his jersey off and point to the camera and be like, that one's for you, Yost. Uh, you know what? And I would I would actually respect that more if he did because I'm a hater. It is what that'd I am. Pretty, that'd be pretty cool. It, it, it wouldn't be gonna, cool, but I would appreciate I'd respect it. He's going to run over and celebrate in front of the Hound's bench. <laughs> like, just he stare starts, down Bob. He starts, like, DX chopping in front of Lily or something like that. Just... <laughs> He gives Bob like the Stone Cold Stunner. <laughs> really funny if he does that, and they, it's like it makes the score four to one. It's just not even. <laughs> he, it, uh, but he still just goes all out, calling that the Mike Trout 80, home run, home run, so the Angels only lose eight to one. Tungsten arm, <laughs> exactly. Oh, I think uh, an hour and a half into this, and now we're well off the tracks. Okay, let's uh, let's send this bad boy home. Uh, the Saturday watch party at Bulldog Pub against seven o'clock kickoff against um, the Hartford. Hopefully, we don't hear any brass bonanza on Saturday night. If you can get down there, please do. Uh, uh, the soccer guys from Charleston uh, or not, uh, Charlotte? Charlotte. Yeah, uh, he's he's threatening to be in town, uh, so he's looking for people to hang out with. Uh, we've directed him there, so don't make us a liar. And if you're able to be there, be there. Uh, Stormy is currently looking at her options for some foot golf. So if we can make that happen, be on the lookout. We'll maybe we'll do some late summer, early fall foot golfing. Uh, shout out to um, who brought that up? Uh, oh, Dyson. Dyson was the guy who brought that up. He found a place that was doing it. So um, everyone can congratulate Dyson if we're able to pull that off. Although we have not heard back from them yet. Uh, the next home match will be July 30th against Tulsa, another team out of the playoff picture currently. 
just have that circled on the calendar. If you have season tickets, you should have received them via text message already. Uh, we'll be doing the full-on tailgate and all the good stuff for, for that Saturday game as well. Uh, before we wrap this bad boy up, Seth, any last words? I think we've all talked plenty. Go Hans. Go Hans. Yak, final thoughts. I, I'm ready to hop off. It's been, I've talked a lot. My glasses Not that I don't love you all, but I don't love you all. I get that. Yeah, my, uh, I've been looking at, staring at an empty pint glass for a while, so I'm ready to move <laughs> on with my night. We'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network for providing the online hosting of Houndsy. Check out the wealth of soccer content being produced weekly at BGN. Dot .fm. The Houndsy theme music was composed and performed by Rocketman and the Space Babies. Check them out at facebook.com slash spacebabiespgh. The show is produced by Joe Majorak. Email the show at steelarmypgh at gmail.com. And put podcasts in the subject line. All complaints about the show can be sent to nick.noble at mail.wvu.edu. On behalf of Yak and uh, Seth, I'm Dan Yost. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon.